Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast from Light Reading, where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today, I'm talking with Ian Morris about a potential merger between 3UK and Vodafone. We discussed what the merger could mean for the broader market, what regulators and analysts think of the deal, and how it could affect consumers. Hey, Ian, welcome back to What's the Story? Hi, Kelsey. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Very, very good, thanks. Yeah. Nice. Is it rainy there? It is raining, yes. It's... Ah. Um, the, that's sort of generally the weather in the UK at the moment. Although apparently <laughs> next week it's going to be very sunny, so um, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> how's, it's, how's rain- it it's raining pretty bad here. So we got your typical UK weather in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, um, so you had some um, updates on uh, Vodafone and three potential merger there. What, yes. What's- yeah, so it's it's been in the works for a little while. This one, it's um, the UK part of Vodafone. Uh, Vodafone's obviously big, you know, European multinational operator, but headquartered in the UK and is one of the four mobile networks in the UK market. And uh, three's three's been there for a long, long time since since the days of three G, which is where it gets its name from, um, and is the smallest player. Has never been, has never had more more than about ten percent of the market, I think, and um has always kind of struggled a bit really to, to build traction it's not one of these not one of these new entrants that's come along and sort of set the world on fire like uh you know reliance geo in india or whatever but um so yeah they've been um they've had a sort of merger plan in the works for a few months now i think there were rumors going on back even last year perhaps and then they confirmed the talks and they've not they've not they've not actually said exactly how a deal would work i don't think in terms of the the financial elements of it and some of those details, but it's clear they want to merge. And it's got to the point where it's being looked at by the regulator, um, whether it would be kind of, um, you know, a, a, a threat to competition and, and bad for consumers and all that sort of thing. And then the government sort of weighed in this week, which is why it got some coverage from myself and um, Scott Buccino at telecoms.com, our sister site as well. Both sort of took a similar angle, actually. I just thought it was kind of weird that the government wrote this paper about the wireless market generally and felt the need to comment on the likelihood of this merger and made some comments in it about it's clear that two of the two of the operators in the market aren't covering their cost of capital and are struggling and have this chart there to show that which it got from Ofcom which it shouldn't really be doing I don't think I mean it's supposed to be quite independent and stay out of day-to-day decisions but you look at you look at it doing that and you hear some of the chatter on the grapevine. I'm, I'm sort of aware of analysts talking about this and things things going on behind the scenes. And I think it's a lot, th- people are now thinking that deal's a lot likelier to go ahead than they were a few months ago. I think I was sceptical at first because what tends to happen in Europe, and obviously the UK is out of the European Union now, which is maybe another reason to think it could could go ahead because we, we, we sort of decide our own, um, our own M&A moves basically we've we've got control over that but what does tend to happen in the european region is regulators weigh in and they don't like the idea of of you going down from four mobile networks to three there's always been been this thing about it's better to have four once you go down to three it's quite oligopolistic and 
you know, you, you, there's a concern about prices going up, about possible collusion, cartel-like behaviour, this sort of thing. And so whenever whenever one of these things has been suggested in the past, what tends to have happened is it's either been blocked, which is which is exactly what happened last time round when uh, 3 tried to merge with O2, so different different company involved, um, but same kind of same kind of arrangement. And it got shot down. This is back in the days when the UK was still in the EU and the European Commission basically said, no, it's kind of a, you know, it's a threat to competition. It's not a, not a good thing. Um, so that's that's tended to be the, you know, the, the, the thing that we've seen going on for years. And if they have allowed them, they've attached these really sort of stringent conditions. So you have to you have to sell some spectrum to a new entrant and some assets or you have to allow MVNOs to come in and use your network. And it sort of undermines the whole point of it in a way. It doesn't, it doesn't undermine the whole point of it, but it means you, you, you still end up with a four-player network, a four-player market there. So in Italy, for instance, a company called Wind merged with another company called, well, it's three actually, it was three's local arm and Wind merged to form Wind3 or Tray as they call it. And as a condition of that, they had to sell some spectrum and assets to Iliad, which is a French operator. And since then, Iliad's basically come in with a load of low-cost deals, built loads of market share, but it's been carnage at the big operators. They've been losing subscribers, prices have come down, and, and it's like the market's worse off than it than it was. Um, and I think this time round, there's kind of hope in this industry that that won't happen, that they'll they'll get this merger through. And they won't have these stringent conditions and we'll end up with a kind of three player market in the UK. So it's kind of, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, it'd be a massive change, but one of the biggest changes I've seen for a few years in, in terms of the kind of structure of the market, really, probably since BT and EE came together back in, in 2016, which is, which is obviously going back a while now. What's um, the advantage uh, for Vodafone of um, acquiring three since it, you know, you mentioned it was only about 10% of the market. Yeah, I mean, for them, it's 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 very much a case of um, reducing the number of players. It's, it's it's not like they're gaining. It's not like either one's really kind of gaining in terms of, you know, technical exp- expertise that it doesn't have. I just wrote a story actually this week about um, HPE buying Athonet. Um, obviously, it's a totally different kind of deal. It's on the vendor side. It's a giant vendor taking control of a very small company that does something quite specific that it didn't have in its portfolio together. What you've got here is two nationwide mobile networks coming together and yet it doesn't do much for Vodafone in terms of beefing up its market share but that I think that 10% would take it because because the big three are quite close together so it's BT EE against Virgin Media O2 and then you have then you have Vodafone and then you have three which is a fair bit smaller I think with that I think it's roughly 10% I might be wrong on the exact percentage but I think with that it would make it the biggest company in the market in terms of overall number of subscribers and it just reduces this um i mean it really the interest for three is very high because they you know with their relatively small subscriber base they still have big big build out costs obviously you know they have this um need to build a nationwide network and a need to have eighteen thousand sites up and down the country and to invest in them and to have the coverage but they don't have the the same amount of money coming in with fewer subscribers so if you look at what they're spending as a percentage of revenues, that kind of capital intensity figure, if they're going to try and keep pace with the bigger players, that's that's going to be much higher. You know, and this is one of the reasons I think they found it quite hard to, you know, make a return in the market with 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 a low customer base. But it's not like they're confining themselves to Scotland or saying we only want to operate in Wales. There are they have a license to operate nationally. They have to meet obligations, and um, it's just hard for them to do that. So it's, it's very very much about um, scaling up and kind of removing 
removing one of the networks really so and th- and this is why the, it, it'll suit the other companies as well you know bt ee and virgin media 2 will be looking at this thinking it's kind of what they want and that's the big concern for the competition authority is is looking at a deal like this and, and going what happens what happens pricing wise you know does it does it slow down innovation you know you, you wouldn't want a market going to two players obviously it's very very much case then of it being an obvious duopoly and you you have a worry about um you know pricing collusion and are they going to make investments in upgrades as regularly and does it really kind of start to affect customer services i think with you know those concerns are going to be there and there's going to be a worry as well which the regulator probably won't wade into but there's obviously going to be a concern that gets highlighted in the national press about job losses you get two companies coming together and there will be layoffs it's like the you know it's like the t-mobile sprint deal that happened i know yeah. they, they were they kind of <laughs> that was so themselves. Sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, mean, I saw mike dano's coverage earlier this week about them sort of saying oh no we do employ more people than you know than than the two separate companies would because what we meant was what, <laughs> what the number they'd employ in the future which is just ridiculous because nobody knows what that would have been so you could you could pluck any figure out the air, out of the air and say that you've 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 met your you know you've met your promises on that front but um but yeah it will be a worry in a, in a, at a time when the economy's not not doing great in the UK I think we're the worst performing out of all the sort of G7 countries or, or whatever and inflation's pretty high you know, there's concern about jobs over here so it won't be a kind of popular move you know it's, it's it'll be written about by the national newspapers as something that threatens jobs and is going to be bad for consumers and they've just pushed through really big price rises as well that's the other thing in in the uk the operators have this very bizarre formula for annual price increases which is the rate of inflation plus 3.9 percent and they all have exactly the same formula which is dodgy in itself i don't know why that hasn't been looked at more closely but um it meant yeah it that meant seems it, really random it's pretty random <laughs> because because inflation was so high last year in the uk it's about 11 percent um wow. it means we all got hit with like 14 percent price increases a lot of people did if you and if you're paying you know if you're paying sort of 50 60 pounds a month or you know and it applied to your broadband services as well it's quite a big it's quite a big mm-hmm. increase you know it's not it's not the same as the energy side of things which is even worse but it's um it's you know, it's 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 the sort of thing that is going to stoke worries about a merge happening in the market. But my my personal view, if I'm not sort of putting my consumer hat on and I'm trying to look at it from an industry perspective, I actually think it makes a lot of sense. You know, I'm I'm less convinced by this. We need to have four players in the market, and the reason for that is, you know, if you talk to the bank analysts and you look at you look at the kind of reports they produce on this and they crunch all the numbers, and you know, it's clear that there are quite a few players in Europe that don't they have these two metrics one's weighted average cost of capital and one's return on capital employed and if you're if you're if your return on capital employed is below your weighted average cost of capital then you've kind of got a long-term problem you know the, the worry is and i think even ofcom raised this in the in the paper it wrote about the the shape of the market and the deal that there's a danger that if that carries on for a long time you, you won't get investments happening anyway and there's always this concern raised that Europe's falling behind in terms of 5G rollout. You know, we're not as good as America. We're not as good as South Korea or China. You know, Ericsson's always whinging about, you know, there's not enough investment in mid-band 5G. And, um, you know, at the same time, you have this whole discussion going on now about fair share. You know, sh- should internet companies pay some of the money for network usage, which I'm I'm not very sympathetic towards that at all. I actually think this is 
this is a better way of dealing with it, really, I think. If those companies have a cost problem and regulators are sitting there blocking that blocking M&A activity from happening and charging, you know, very sort of punitive spectrum fees, I think potentially that's a better way to look at things like that is a better way to get around it than than doing things like making Netflix pay for for usage, which I, I, right. I think there's all sorts of bigger problems actually in mm-hmm. the future, very hard to police and who knows where things like that could end up. So I think this is a, I, obviously you want to protect competition, you want to be careful about how it's done and and everything, but um, I'm, I'm not I'm not convinced that a three-player market is 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 a disaster for, for the consumer. I still think there's there'll be a healthy enough level of competition there and there's an opportunity still for MVNOs to come along and do disruptive things. And I, I don't necessarily see that it would be um, a horror show that, that some people make it out to be. I think the job losses is unfortunate. That's mm-hmm. that is going to happen. And I don't don't know what you do about that. But yeah, yeah. That, that was kind of my next question. You know, you hinted at it with the T-Mobile Sprint thing, but um, do our, our analysts anticipating that there will be significant job loss I've, or, I've you know, I guess lot. with any merger, there's going to be some. Yeah, I've not seen a lot of coverage of that. I've not seen um, people focusing on that aspect at all. And I suspect it, it will get talked about if, if, they, if they come together, as, as yeah. I suspect they will. And there will probably be some remedies, by the way. I don't think the, I don't think it'll just be allowed to happen without them mm-hmm. having to do something like maybe there'll be some kind of spectrum resharing. I mean, they might they, they have these quite complex network sharing agreements in the UK that involve the operators, and there's only two companies behind them, and, and unwinding a part of that might be difficult, I think. And um, working out what happens on the vendor side, you know, Vodafone's got this open RAM project going on, and Three's really sort of all in with Ericsson, so. There's various operational things that will need to happen. And I think a lot of that will get attention if the deal goes through, as will the job side of things. I think that's when we'll we'll start to hear more about what could be involved there. But but the trend has been for that the industry to to shrink for years. You know, I mean we do cover this on light reading, what's happening with the workforce in telecom. And it's been you look at the big companies in Western Europe and North America and we, we sort of track those. The, the trend's been for them to to keep getting smaller. And I think a, a merger will just sort of accelerate that really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any uh, insight into, you know, when this might get finalized um, I, the next few months, or is it really hard to say at this it's point? It's hard to say. It's really hard to say. I was speaking with someone at Vodafone's office, actually, not from Vodafone, an analyst for a completely separate meeting that wasn't anything to do with the merger. And he was saying he thought it could be months. It could really sort of run on a long time. I mean, you'll know from being in the US how long that whole you know, that whole sort of sprint T-Mobile thing took, I think it was first talked about in 2019, 2018, maybe. And it was, I think it was 2020 before it eventually got through. So it's a really long running process. Um, you know, and, and the big deals tend to take quite a long time. There's the whole VMware Broadcom thing that got, I think it was going back last year when that was first talked about. And there's news today on that, the EU objecting. So I don't know these things. They it's really hard to say. I think unless you're sort of in the in, on the regulatory side of things and seeing what's happening, seeing the process stages of it, I think it's quite hard to predict. But I don't. I don't think it would happen very soon. I think it's. Um, I think we're some way off seeing seeing anything. And I, I think they're probably just that is what they're waiting on is for the CMA really to finish its review and and come out with um, a decision one way or the other and and let everybody know what the remedies are. And then I don't know whether there's some kind of 
it's not like there's going to be an appeal. I don't know who would appeal. It's not like consumers can write in, I don't think, and say, no, we don't want this happening. But they do have these consultations where they get feedback from the industry on stuff. And um, yeah, that's something I don't really know a lot about. But um, I don't I don't anticipate something in the next few weeks, put it like that. It's So yeah, I should be writing about it without it happening probably for a long time yet. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that is generally the way it goes. It, it seems like there's a you know long runway where it can take years um, to get things sorted. So uh, yeah. be interesting to see what what folks are thinking in the meantime. Um, thanks for the update, Ian. Thank this you, Kelsey. Really interesting. Yeah. All right, Did we'll see you next time. We'll do. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ian, for taking the time to talk today, and thank you to our amazing producer Pierre Landrio for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.